0: What's the client's exposure to the risk of late information, inaccurate design information, and all that kind of stuff? Answer, very limited, probably. Because if there's there's late information on site, holding up the on-site team, it's probably at the kind of detailed level of what exactly is that detailing of the roof insulation? What exactly is the detailing of the staircase? And all of that kind of design information, in all probability, is the responsibility of the contractor to produce. So it's their design team that's falling flat on their face, not giving the information in a timely manner or making it accurate. It's not the client's responsibility. It's not the client falling on their face at all. Therefore, if there's a problem, if there's some pain associated with somebody cocking it up, if it's the builder... Through their design team getting it wrong, they take the pain. The client doesn't take the pain. So, low, low client risk to the cost and time uh, pain associated with the design risks. The builder bears responsibility, uh, and so the costs tend to be down to the builder. What's the opportunity for the builder? And this, I think, is where we're coming towards answering your question, but I'll see whether I need to say a bit more. The opportunity. So this is, if you like, the opportunity for the client, low risk of cost extras. The opportunity, therefore, for the builder is that because they control the designs within the... So long as as what they produce can arguably be said to fall in line with the employer's requirements, in, in line with the contract documents, then they can ask their designer to come up with particularly cost-effective design solutions cost-effective from there the builders point of view quick and easy and cheap and efficient to build and those cost effective those builder friendly design solutions may have no detrimental impact whatsoever on the overall design of the scheme or they might and that's the danger from the client's point of view It's harder to hang on to the detailed quality. You're not going to get the builder saying, OK, let's change the layout, because the layout's going to be fixed. It's going to be defined in the contract documents. There'll be plans, there'll be a detailed planning commission which says the layout's got to look like that. But there won't be details about... What were the examples you you gave earlier on about how the drainage... uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, And... A complete absence of such little. This is an entirely personal view. Sorry, an entirely personal view now. Um, and what do I know about this? Not much. Uh, but it does seem to me that of the numerous rather bleak estates with which I have been associated over my long and checkered history in getting schemes built for housing associations, and quite a few of them have turned out to be worryingly bleak, particularly five years, ten years down the line after them being built. Why is that? And I suspect, you guys would know better than me, but I suspect it's the death by a thousand little individual de- detailed design cuts add up to a real lack of something and you can just see it. That's the danger. Difficult to pin down any individual one quite often because on design and build you're setting performance standards which by their very nature are a bit more generic and a bit harder to be specific about which is why you lose control over the, very, over the great detail of the design, and that can add... If the builder is so minded, that can add up to... At the end of the project, you look at it and you think, there is something really important missing from this. I can't put my finger on any one thing exactly, but it adds up to a big, fat disappointment. That's the danger. So, you want cost certainty, and quality, so long as it's there or thereabouts, probably design a build better for you than traditional. Under both types of contracts, the, uh, the usual way of, of trying to make, keep, a, keep a handle on the quality of what's actually being built is to use somebody called a clerk of works, who is the spot checker, who drops in at um, uh, unpredictable periods of time, roams around the site, on bigger sites, they, they might be resident, they might be there five days a week, um, but who goes around and spots checks. The, uh, and I mean, you, can, you can get your architect to do that, but they tend to be more expensive than clerks of works, so if you want to maximize the amount of time of someone doing that role, then you probably get a clerk of works to do that. The difficulty becomes on exactly what they can pin the on-site team down to. I mean, your example about the brick wall is, is, a, is, is a good one. Um, If in a traditional contract, you're probably specifying in very great detail exactly, not just what has to be put together, exactly what type of brick, what type of mortar, the thickness, the foundation design, and all the rest of it. But uh, we will also certainly be uh, uh, referencing codes of practice, ways of working, uh, 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 methods of working, which have to be adhered to. And you may go so far as to say, and we want a brick panel, as as an example, on site. And if it don't look like that, then you're going to take it down and do do it again. So there's a pretty robust set of controls that the clerk of works can draw upon when he or she says, that ain't good enough. They've they've got enough background, as it were, uh, uh, to be able to do that. With design and build, you may have less clarity over the detail of the requirements. You can, still in design and build, import, and you should, import all of the codes of practice and the ways of working good practice and say it has to be in accordance with this uh, method statement uh, And so if uh, even on design and build if someone's busily pouring concrete when it's you know Frankly far too cold and should it contravenes the method statement set out in the Contract then you can say do it again okay? because you've got a standard that you can clearly see is contravened but on the, sort of the, the more detail of, uh, of the, how bits are put together, uh, you may find it harder to point to a specific requirement on design and build to say that ain't good enough, do it again, and therefore you may get more of what isn't quite good enough without really being able to, uh, to control it. With design and build, if you want to really minimise that risk, I'm afraid it puts the onus back on us as our clients and with our technical advisors to draft... A pretty damn comprehensive list of requirements in the employer's requirements. Design and build is for people who are happy to rely on the builder undertaking the detailed design probably because we're less retentive about the detail of the quality. If you really want to focus on retaining the detail of the quality, design and build is probably not for you, traditional contracting is for you. If you more if if cost certain, I mean I think, think this is what the balloons is going to be saying in a minute. If cost certainty is greater and more important then, uh then uh, it was that balloon actually. Uh, then if cost certainty is more important than than uh, than quality. Then you're probably going to be more interested in in design and build.